today at the SDGI Directors and Dialogue, Liam O'Muckon talks about his short film Grand Opening in conversation with fellow director Frank Berry. Can you give us a kind of a, just an introduction to where Grand Opening started? Um, yeah, apologies to Tom who's heard some of this stuff at the Foyle Film Festival last November. Um, it came about in two different ways. Um, I used to cycle into town, um, going in Camden Street, and there's a pub on Camden Street that kept changing every few months. It kept changing the name and it kept changing the outside, but it never changed the inside. It's now called Against the Grain. And I think somebody who owns that owned a few pubs, but it was a different owner then, and they haven't changed, and now they're successful. But the person who had it, just it stayed all the time. Um, you know, the inside just never changed, and you just kind of look in, and they kind of look at you, and you'd walk back out. There'd be never anybody in there. And um, <clears throat> so that just kind of was in my mind not to do a short or anything on it. It's just I just wondered like why, you know, why would you keep changing and why would you change the name and why wouldn't you change the inside as well and what would it take to get people to go to come into the pub? And I just kinda of left it there. And then one night I um I was I was trying to think around that I had done WC a feature film and it had taken three years and a lot of money to get it together, get it finished and I thought I don't want to do a feature for a while. I bought at the same time. I kinda of wanna do something so that you kind of feel like the creative juices are sort of going. And um I thought, oh maybe I'll come up with some kind of idea for a short and I just kinda of left it there and then one night I, I fell asleep and I dreamt the whole story. So I woke myself up at four in the morning. I wrote the whole thing down. Well, actually, that was precursor to I'd come up with this fantastic, huge blockbuster um, movie in a dream one night, which Joel Silver had said to me he was going to produce it, and it was going to be fucking huge. And I said, oh, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll write it down. I woke up, and I couldn't think of which probably was a good thing. I couldn't think of it. So this one then, when it came to me, I woke myself up, and I normally don't like waking myself up because I prefer to sleep. So I woke myself up at four in the morning, and I wrote it down and then I went back to sleep and I woke up the next day and it was still written there so it was great so uh, that's basically where it came together sounds like Inception isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very Fellini yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so you, ha you have this kind of you've noticed this concept of, of the exterior of a pub changing but you managed to turn it into a kind of a, a very personal character driven story which is not really it's, 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 it's more of a, of a um, and thinking of, of Podge and, and Morris and their struggles, I suppose, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, so um, what you wrote down in the middle of the night, was it personal? No, no, because I've never had any interest in having a pub. I, I like having a drink, well, but yeah. uh, no, not, well, I suppose, I don't know, not really. And, but then actually what also happened then was I went to about 50, I, I wrote it, it, it came together as a script over a couple of months, like here and there, just like little few minutes here and there or a few hours of sort of writing it and kind of let it gestate. Normally I write something and it could, uh, you know, the best stuff that I've written hasn't been made because I've developed them for four or five years and then not got the money. So then went really fast and wrote something and went and shot it. So this is the first thing that I've actually written that actually I didn't go and shoot it straight away. So it's probably over a period of a year where I kind of look at it every now and again. And then I decided on a certain date that we would shoot it. So I went looking at pubs and I think we've seen about, Bernie was the producer, we had to see, we've seen about 50 pubs. And we turned up at, and I just kind of, I couldn't find anywhere and I Googled, um, you know, um, isolated 
pubs, yeah. countryside. What, what was it? Yeah, isolated country pubs. Yeah, and it just, and then somebody from the States, I seen one of these boards and it said, oh, these pubs are fantastic. And, well, without the accent because I was reading it, but I just put that in myself. <laughs> and they mentioned these five different ones and I went to see this one in Leash and I turned up and there wasn't that many people in. It was a huge pub and I went up to the bar and I asked, could I talk to the owner? Now, at the time, there was nobody in the pub and there was nobody behind me or whatever. And he said, oh, I said, I just would like to talk to the owner. And he said, um, he's behind you. And I went, Jesus Christ. And he was actually behind me like a fucking vampire. He wasn't there a few <laughs> seconds before that. And he actually was like Uncle Fester in the Adams Family. He's in his 70s from Dublin, was a fashion, into fashion and design and all this kind of stuff. And decided to buy a pub down the country, a pub that nobody used to go to because the previous owner turned it into a nightclub uh, in Leash in the middle of nowhere. What? It was a disco pub. It was a disco pub in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) alienated all of the locals and none of them would turn up. So he had to sell it. So this guy from Dublin bought the pub and then decided, because he was into design, he went and he got design stuff. He just got stuff from all over the world. The back of his pub was just like, he'd have masks from Africa. He would have like particular unusual lanterns from Asia. And you're going like, I'd say to him, oh, we're thinking of doing this. He said, oh, come back and we'll see if we can find some stuff. And he nearly had everything that we needed. And we were going like, is this about him? And he actually said to me a couple of times, because we didn't really show him the full script, he said, is this film about me, as in him? Uh-huh. I said, no, we've seen 50 pubs. He's still convinced it's about him. Weird. So there you go. So I still don't, sorry. Sorry. You, you, no, you, 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 uh, you noticed this pub with the exterior changing. I still don't fully, fully understand what you wrote down in the middle of the night. Oh, what I wrote down was um, this guy um, uh, changes the pub. Well, first, in, in this, the thing that came to me was this, it by seasons. That this, I, I've just seen this guy and he, he's in four different seasons, which of course could be one month in Ireland, just at the moment. And um, he, he's at the pub, it's snowing out, another time it's beautiful, sunny, and he, he's, he's changing, he's, he's just doing some work outside and you see some guy working on him and he's making some changes to the outside. And um, he, um, he basically is, he's rechanging the pub for every season. And... Um, and then in, in the dream, it also came to me going, well, yeah, but what would make people turn up? If he's alien, everybody, everybody hates him, what would make people? I thought even like down, down the country, if people don't particularly like each other, they'll still turn up to their funeral. So I thought, okay, maybe a funeral would, um, mm. would bring people in. But also, what if that's the one time that people are there and then they decide also to give out free drink? That would really yes. kill him if yeah. he's not dead already. Mm. And that basically was where it sort of, came from and then I had the twist and I was going it's, I don't know whether it'll either work or not work mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. I have to get somebody who is really really good but also has a particular sort of cartoon sort of thing about it so you don't feel sorry for him but mm-hmm. at the same time you find him funny yes and yeah. and, and that's you know okay so so I don't know if that answers it to me no honest. it does it does absolutely so it, 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 this kind of concept uh, had meaning you know mm. um, and uh, uh uh, so what did you do next in terms of uh, getting it made? What were your well, first, were your first I, steps? Yeah, um, well, I'd worked with Fionn uh, Comerford, who's the DP on it. Um, I'd worked with him on, um, I had some extra scenes a couple of months after doing the main shoot at WC. We went back six months later and decided to do some jazz club scenes and he shot that. 
and then I did a documentary about WC. Again, I didn't want to make another feature for a while, so I thought anything I can do to sort of, uh, you know, not do another feature for a while and do something around that. And he shot all of that as well. And I got on really well with him, and I, um, I liked the way that he worked. So I contacted him, and 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 uh, and then also contacted production designer David Wilson, who did Oma and did loads of other stuff. And I kind of said, you know, it's a small piece. It's only a four-day shoot. There's no building of streets or destroying streets or whatever. But it's very unusual, very quirky. And he said, oh, I don't normally do stuff this small, but let me read the script. And then when he seen the fact that your man was changing the pub all the time, it was very unusual and quirky, he said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Mm. So I just sort of slowed. Also, um, from doing other films before this, I just realized that you have to have the right crew, you have to have the right people. And if one person is, is not quite right, it can unbalance. At the mm. same time, everybody needs to know what they're doing. They need to have to work together. But it would be nice to have an atmosphere. I also thought, you know, I've done other films and it was just so much, all the time, so much panic because you've only got so much time, so much money. And I wanted to give myself extra time. I spent extra time on this than I have on anything else in pre-production, as in I just gave myself like four or five weeks, which you normally don't have. Now, it was just myself and, and Bernie organising stuff. But normally, you know, I mean, for a feature on a low-budget independent, you, you might have five, six weeks if you're lucky, even mm -hmm. at that. So I kind of wanted... To actually for a change we have to enjoy making the film because I've never really enjoyed the process mm. while making the film because there's just been too much going on there's mm. been too much pressure and not enough money so I really want to enjoy it so I just slowly I handpicked everybody that I wanted to work on it and then if that person wasn't available I got them to suggest somebody and I met everybody and the same thing with the cast and stuff as well and sort of just put it together. And then the DP said one day, the first AD that we had, Nick, he's, he turned to the second AD, I was told after, he said, this has been the easiest film I ever worked on. He said, it's not only this easy and this nice, enjoy it. And it was the most enjoyable. So I probably, I probably will never get to do something that easy or enjoyable, possibly again. I don't know. So you won everybody over, basically, with your kind of enthusiasm for... Yeah, I think the script, the story, and yeah. then just meeting people and just making it personal. Yes. Personal in the sense, not about the story, but just sort of meeting and telling them what you want to do and just saying, you know, do you want can, can you do it or, or not? And that's really it. And what was the uh, budget and, and where did it come from? Uh, myself, um, two friends called Visa and MasterCard, <laughs> um, <laughs> bank loan, and, uh, and that's really it. And it was about, I think, between ten and 11,000, so it wasn't a huge amount of money it is for a short mm. um you know i didn't have half a kilkenny to work on the short for a thousand euros which was fantastic it'd be great <laughs> um but you but know um, so we did we did have a Laura, a huge amount of assistance for yeah. monopoly though because even things like the coffin and everything else mm. we mm. just asked locally and that's oh I, we chased a guy in um in in leash because the owner of the bar knew everybody everywhere so if we wanted anything we just asked him and we had to keep him on site all the time because if there's any going to be any divas, and, and there was only one diva, and that was the owner of the bar, we had to keep him happy all the time. Mm. We said, mm. we need a jukebox. I'd like a jukebox in the background to have lit up or whatever. He said, oh, I know a guy. So I rang him, and he said, okay, well, we're coming around next week to do our normal taking the money out of the jukebox that he happened to have there. He said, well, I'll bring you one. So he brought us one. Mm. And then the guy said, oh, I know the guy, who the funeral director or whatever in, in Port Arlington. And uh, he said, ring him. So I rang him and he said, so that's my address. So I went there and there was nobody there. And this woman, I'd swear she was about 100, opened the door. And I thought, oh, Jesus Christ, this is the funeral home. A woman in her 100s opened it. And she was his mother. And he was quite old himself, but the mother was still alive. And she said, oh, he's up in the town. So we drove up to the town and we couldn't see him. And then I seen this hearse pulled in at a garage. 
So we just drove up and I went in and I said, are you the local hearse guy? He said, yeah. I said, oh, I, I need a coffin. He said, yeah, when do you need it? I said, no, it's for a filming. Then, oh, yeah, okay. And he just gave <laughs> us the coffin. You shot on red. You shot on red, so yeah. That, that that's, must have been a bit of a, a buzz. It's quite a, have you shot on red before? No, or? no, this is the first. I mean, I shot on only on TV. Mm. And, and the previous thing I did was the DVX100, which everybody had been using for TV, which was a great, great camera. But I just really wanted this sort of mini epic sort of look yes. and I just I yeah. wanted this look of this place that would look really beautiful and yet nobody stood coming to it mm. and I just wanted all these colours and stuff in it so I wanted to shoot on that and uh, I also thought maybe I'll shoot something later on much bigger on that and I thought this would be a nice little tester mm. so you know yeah I hadn't Okay. and where did it uh, premiere it premiered in a foil, foil. yes yeah. we had it at the foil film festival in November mm. we have it in Florida film festival this month then we have it in the Canadian World Film Festival and then loads of other ones. Like we're getting into ones we didn't expect and then ones we hope to get into, we haven't got into. So you just never know with, yeah, yeah. with shorts, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and we had a screening in the pub as well, actually. We went down to your man's pub and uh, he, he provided food. And uh, so what's, uh, you know, you, you've, been, you've made a, uh, a couple of low-budget feature films and now you've made this um, kind of... Uh, this short film shot on red, big production. What, yeah, what's yeah. what's the what, what's the next? Uh... I'm doing a short in June, uh, based on one of the Ten Commandments, uh, but I've got nine commandments covered in it. But I'm not saying what the one I haven't covered. It's for people to decide. So it's a ten minute short, okay. and it's one specific commandment. But I just realised looking at the script yesterday that there's another eight or nine that that this woman has also committed. Um, throughout it but it's not highlighted if you know what I mean mm. that she's done all these it's a woman in her 60s who's fallen in love with a, a guy who lives across the road and um, we think she's talking about her first love but love she's mm. she's uh, she's coveting somebody she shouldn't and that's basically it and is this going to be a similar type of production or yeah we're going to shoot it in Leash again I'm hoping to get all of the production design stuff that we need from your man's pub and we're shooting it in the house that we stayed in while we were shooting this. And one of the extras that was in, uh, that was next to the coffin, he owns the house. It's a 300-year-old cottage. It's fantastic looking. There happens to be a house across the road that's modern, which is exactly what I was looking for. So we're going to shoot that. It'll be a two-day shoot um, early June. About five, 6,000 euros to shoot that one. Because it's only a four-day shoot, and it's a lot less. There's only about four or five actors in it. Um, but it's really only, there's like 15, 15, 16 scenes in it, and 13 of them are uh, the woman on her own talking, just in little monologues as she's working throughout the house, wow. just talking about her first and true love. Wow. Cool. Cool. And that's okay. really it. Yeah. Great. Sorry thanks. for taking the Not at all. Thanks a lot. That's great. Thank you. Best of luck with that. Thank you for listening to SDGI Directors and Dialogue. We would like to thank our sponsors, the Irish Film Board and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.